Well, welcome, friends, to the Victory Point Bible Reading Podcast, where normal, everyday disciples open up the Bible and discuss. We don't claim to be theologians here, but no one ever said you had to be to read and interpret and apply the Word of God to your life. So thanks so much for joining us today, and here's your host. Happy Monday, VP family. It is June 13th. I'm Kim Hauer, and this week I am joined by my daughter, Kennedy Hauer, and I'm excited to do this with her this week. I don't think she is near as excited as I am about it, but um, we're going to do this. So welcome, Kennedy. Um, Would you please uh, introduce yourself and share some information about who you are? Yeah, so my name is Kennedy Hauer, as she said. Um, I am here with my mom, Kim. And my dad is Dan, and then I have two sisters, Kylie and Emma. Um, I am currently homeschooled, and I work for my dad, and I also work at Crazy Horse. And next year, I get the exciting opportunity to go to CareerLine and go do their agriculture program. And I have been at Victory Point basically since I I was born, I think. Yeah, you were, because we started going here about when uh, just right when Kylie was born. So um, so thank you for introducing yourself. I know a lot of our listeners probably know who you are, um, and I'm sure they're excited to hear what you have to say this week. So with that, how about we get into the scriptures for today? We are reading from 1 Kings 19, uh, verse 1 through 15, um, and it says 15a. So I think I'll probably read the whole thing, though. Uh, So I'm going to just jump right into that. Um, It says, the heading says, Elijah flees to Sinai. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. 
Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And that is uh, concluding actually at 15A because it does end well. So, Kennedy, as you read that and um, put some time into thinking about it, uh, was there anything that stood out to you in this passage as you read it? Um, yeah, I'd say towards the beginning, what stood out to me was um, he ate some bread and drank some water, but that was enough to sustain him for 40 days and 40 nights, which it might be okay if he wasn't doing anything, but he was traveling. Like, and that just kind of shocked me that some bread and some water lasted him 40 days and 40 nights while traveling. Like, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, you can, I mean, it's hard to imagine 40 days, right? Like what 40 days is with um, just having having eaten just that one night, you know, albeit twice, right? Because right. the angel woke him up twice to eat. Um, but still you would think like that's not, that wouldn't be enough to sustain you for 40 days and 40 nights. So um, yeah, I kind of caught that too. Like, all right, I don't know if I could be sustained for 40 days and 40 nights while traveling, you know, and right. like you said, not just sitting there and doing nothing, but physically doing things, you know, um, and we know their journeys when they walked was not easy because they didn't have paved roads or sidewalks or things like that. So um, it was a difficult journey. Um, yeah, I found it interesting, like just intriguing that the angel visited him and, um, and just like out of thin air, right? There's food and water, right. like baked on a hot stone. I'm imagining that there's probably not too many circumstances where there's a hot stone and all the ingredients to make bread. So what a miraculous like thing. And how weird would that be to be Elijah and just all of a sudden, you know, the angel, which is, you know, shocking enough, but then there's this food as well, like just magically appears, you know, it's not magic, it's God. But um, I'd be a little like, I don't know, scared is the right word, but just kind of like, whoa, right. <laughs> amazed. Was there anything else that you um, caught in this passage? Um, I would say when at the very end, when it said, then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And I would say that I would just be shocked if someone told me, which he probably knew it was the Lord, but the Lord told him to go back 
the same way he came, like, fully knowing what could happen. Like, all the what-ifs, like, and Elijah listened to him, even knowing the what-ifs. Like, he could have gotten killed on the way back because they don't like him. But he, like, fully put his trust in the Lord and took that path that the Lord told him to take. Yeah, I kind of was thinking um, a lot along the same lines, you know. I caught, um, when I was looking back into First Kings 18, like, how did this get set up? Um, and it was kind of a cool story. You should go back and read, you know, 18, but, um, you know, God demonstrated his truth and power in such a miraculous way in 18 with the altar being lit on fire after, you know, Elijah had this contest with the people who, um, had altars to Baal and whatnot. Um, and so it was like, God was set up for this contest and obviously God won. Um, in that contest because they weren't able to get their gods to burn up the um, sacrifice on the altar. But God did so after like the people watered the entire altar down. Um, God sent down fire and burned up the entire thing. So like there was just this demonstration of how powerful God is and how awesome he is and how he is the one true God. And everybody um, just kind of fell down and worship to God or the other people kind of ran away because they were afraid of this God that, you know, did this. Um, so they made two choices in this community, basically. But I found it interesting how quickly in 18, that demonstration of God was quickly forgotten by Elijah and probably the others as well, right? When um, Jezebel came and threatened his life, he ran and was afraid. Like you just witnessed God doing this awesome thing and his power and strength and his ability to do pretty much anything. And then a threat from a human made Elijah afraid and then he fled. So that's where we pick up, you know, he ran away. He was scared. Um, so how quickly we can go from in awe and amazement of who God is to then not fully trusting that he would protect us. Um, when threats come against us. Um, so, yeah, I think that that demonstrated that, you know, then God went to him and spoke to him, right? And said, go and do this. And Elijah said, all right, I'll go back. Um, but yeah, fully knowing that he's being hunted down, people want to kill him. Um, so, yeah, it took, a you know, just that shows a pretty like drastic change in what I would call you know, faith in our circumstances kind of thing. You know, like God's amazing one moment and then the next moment we forget how amazing he is and we fail to trust him, you know, in other areas. Um, but then he comes back, right? Mm -hmm. He hears God in the gentle whisper uh, and comes back. Uh, what did you think of? Was there anything in that part where it talked about all the different, um, parts of nature, you know, like the windstorm, the earthquake, uh, the fire, like, was there anything that struck you about that part of the scripture? I would say just the fact that Elijah just stood there while there was a windstorm and an earthquake and a fire. Like, I think if I was witnessing that, I would run. I don't know if I would just stand there and witness an entire windstorm and earthquake and fire. Like, I don't, 
I don't think I would just be able to sit and witness like right there, right in the moment that earthquake because earthquakes are scary sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, he was called out of this cave and he just stood there. And as the wind went by the windstorm and tore apart the mountain that he was basically hiding in, you know, um, and then it says like, you know, God was not in the wind. Um, and then it said that there was the earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then there was the fire, but God was not in the fire. And then after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. I found it interesting that the scripture doesn't say that God was not in the whisper, but it doesn't really explicitly say that he was either. Um, but I think that, you know, Elijah's response it says, when Elijah heard it, meaning the gentle whisper, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So it was in the gentle whisper that he realized was God was in that, I think, you know, because um, in the presence of God, we have to, like, we can hardly stand it, right? So he had to cover his face um, just because of the glory of God, it, like, just be so overwhelming. Um, so I think that that's where he saw God, but had to cover his face in that moment. Um, I like in scripture too, how, you know, twice the voice where God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? You know, and it, it forces Elijah to explain himself, you know, and, and he lays it out there the exact same way both times. Um, so I thought that was, um, interesting how, you know, sometimes when scripture is repetitive, we should pay attention because trying to get the point across. So, um, yeah, I think that was all I caught. Um, do you have any stories or examples or anything that kind of like, you're like, oh, I remember this time when this happened or I'd say like the bread and water scene is a little bit like not entirely, but a little bit about like sort of like the feeding the 5,000 where they had some fish and some bread, but it managed to feed 5,000 people and sustain them for the day or the week or a decent amount of time. I'd say just that little bit of bread and water is somewhat like that feeding the 5,000 scene. Yeah, that's an interesting um, take on that, right? Like how we see it as a little bit, but God uses that little bit and just magnifies it in whatever his purpose is. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. Well, I think we've um, touched on most of our stuff in the scripture. So um, as we go forward um, and wrap this up, I think I just had a challenge that came to me in this um, was about the part where when the Lord passed by and he wasn't in the wind and the earthquake and the fire, but in the gentle whisper, um, it made me pause and think, like, are we looking for God in all the ways that he may present himself? You know, he could have been in the wind. There's... Um, biblical texts that say that God is in the wind, right? Or in the earthquakes or in the fire. Like those are all a lot of, um, in the Bible, throughout the Bible, 
ways in which God demonstrates himself to his people. Um, so he could have been in any one of those things, but he was in the whisper this time, the gentle whisper. Um, but I just thought, like, are we looking for God in whatever ways he wants to show up in our lives? So that's my challenge to you today, um, is to think about how is God showing up in your life today? How is he speaking to you? Is it in the big things or the little things? Are we quiet enough to listen for the gentle whisper? Or um, does he have to show up in that big, miraculous way of a fire or earthquake to get our attention? Um, but either which way, we should always be looking for God. So that's my challenge today. Um, I pray that you will have a blessed Monday. I'm looking forward to uh, talking more with Kennedy uh, in the next few days about the scriptures that are laid out for us. So have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you for joining us today for the Victory Point Bible Reading Podcast. We hope that today's conversation was helpful for you and encourages you in your daily walk with God. If you have any questions or thoughts to share with us, please email us at info at victorypoint.org. We would love to hear from you.